The Urban Political is looking for new members of its editorial collective. If you're interested, please contact us via our website, urbanpolitical.online. This is the Urban Political. The podcast on urban theory, research, and activism. Welcome to the first episode of the Rent Strike series from Urban Political, a multi-episode series where we'll focus on the Veritas Tenants Association's ongoing rent strike against San Francisco's largest landlord. Today, we'll launch this series with tenants and organizers from the Veritas Tenants Association, or VTA, to discuss the history of the VTA, organizing against corporate landlords, organizing multi-building majority rent strikes, and what happens when corporate landlords default on loans. After this episode, we plan to follow up with the VTA periodically to discuss developments, actions, retaliation from the landlord, and more. I'm Matilda Gustavus, the host of this series. Before I introduce our guests, I'll give a brief overview of the VTA and the $4.5 billion corporate landlord they're striking against. Veritas Investments, Inc. was founded in San Francisco in 2007 and originally held fewer than 100 units. Then, in 2011, after an international investment fund infused several hundred million dollars into the company, Veritas purchased a portfolio of over-leveraged assets, which had collapsed during the recession, instantaneously ballooning Veritas's holdings to more than 200 buildings, primarily in San Francisco. Today, Veritas owns around 6,500 units in San Francisco alone, with additional holdings in Oakland, Alameda, and Los Angeles, making it one of the largest multifamily operators on the U.S. West Coast. The company specializes in acquiring smaller rent-stabilized properties and maximizing profitability by automating and optimizing management through so-called PropTech products, increasing fines and fees, and withholding maintenance. Veritas also uses cash for keys offers and tenant harassment to force out long-term tenants and convert their units to market rate, exploiting a legislative loophole provided by California's Costa-Hawkins Rental Housing Act, which allows landlords to reset rents to market rate when tenants vacate their rent-stabilized units. Veritas has termed rent rent control departments potential cash flow upsides and described an annual turnover rate of over 30% as an achievement summing up the corporate landlord business model where profitability is predicated on tenant exploitation, mistreatment, and displacement. Meanwhile, the VTA, which began organizing in 2017, assisted by the Housing Rights Committee of San Francisco, has built up a presence at more than 100 Veritas-owned buildings in the Bay Area and Los Angeles, making it a statewide tenants association. By organizing tenants across properties owned by the same corporate entity, the VTA is building collective power that approximates the scale of corporate consolidation. The VTA leveraged this power through an unprecedented multi-building rent debt strike begun in 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic, when tenants from multiple buildings withheld their applications for California's rental assistance program, using their collective debt as power to force Veritas to negotiate on pandemic debt relief. After the debt strike ended, the VTA helped formulate right-to-organize legislation for the city of San Francisco, which was passed in 2022 and guarantees organizing rights while obligating landlords to recognize and bargain with tenants associations in, in good faith. However, landlords, including Veritas, have been pushing back on the ordinance and refused to recognize tenants associations. 
So just to back up a bit, the rent I will be focusing on is actually separate from the campaign we had originally planned to cover for this series. Over the last eight months, the VTA has been carrying out a citywide contract campaign to force Veritas to rescind the rent increases of up to 13% they imposed on San Francisco tenants since the end of 2022. While tenants live in rent-stabilized properties where rent increases of that scale are typically illegal, Veritas has been banking rent increases that were suspended during the pandemic and are now seeking to reclaim those losses through substantial rent hikes. The VTA has been carrying out escalating structure tests across buildings to gauge participation, with the goal of ultimately undertaking a multi-building majority rent strike for a citywide collective contract. But as we were preparing to cover that campaign, Veritas defaulted on a nearly $1 billion loan on two separate portfolios that include 95 residential buildings. This set off a bidding process with multiple buyers, including Veritas itself, placing offers on the delinquent loans. Tenants at two of the buildings, one in the Mission, the other in the Tenderloin, decided to launch a rent strike separate from the contract campaign, demanding substantial improvements to their buildings, rent reductions, recognition of the Tenants Association, and for tenants to have a say in the terms of sale with the ultimate goal of decommodification, having the buildings removed from the private rental market. We decided to begin covering this rent strike and have brought in tenants and organizers to talk to us about it. Tenants from two buildings began withholding rent on June 1st and more tenants are expected to join on September 1st. We're hoping that the series can provide insight into the experience of living with and organizing against corporate landlords and hopefully into how tenants can change the terms and conditions of their housing through multi-building organizing and multi-building rent strikes. But before we get started, I'd like for our guests to introduce themselves. Let's start with Lena. Tell us how long you've lived in your building and how long you've been organizing with the VTA. My name is Lena Maibom. Uh, I am actually uh, born and raised in San Francisco. I've lived in my building in Union Square since 1995. And um, I am also one of the organizers with the Housing Rights Committee. Thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, my name is Juan Martinez. I've been uh, organizing with VTA for the past two years, and uh, I've been living with in one of the uh, uh, Veritas building for three years already. And um, throughout this time, I already know and I already saw and experienced a lot of uh, uh, difficulties that have come along with it, being a part of a Veritas tenants and also acknowledging a lot of people that are in the same situation, living and having difficulties, uh, trying to come into a, an agreement with Veritas as far as uh, negotiating uh, to prevent uh, being homeless. Yeah, thank you. Um, that was a a great introduction, Matilde. So I, I texted Lynn, I want a written copy of what you said. <laughs> um, so uh, my name is Brad Hearn. I am a lead organizer at Housing Rights Committee of San Francisco with a focus on corporate landlords, and I'm a tenant in uh, Berkeley, California. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Um, so let's start out by setting the scene a little bit. Um, Lena, can you talk about the conditions in the buildings where tenants are on strike and tell us about your experiences having Veritas as a landlord? 
Yes. Um, so the buildings that we have visited um, or the tenants have reached out to to Housing Rights Committee because of the way Veritas has been treating them, you know, trying to exercise their rights. Um, we would go out and do outreach or go door knock and also just hearing the tenant's story and their experience also about, you know, how Veritas have, has been treating them. I kind of have a sense because I'm also a VTA member, but, you know, all, all, all buildings are different and all experiences are different. So, you know, the most, the main complaint is rent increases, especially during COVID, you know, we've been trying to get Veritas to be rent forgiveness. Um, you know, tenants are struggling to, to wanting to pay rent. And since, you know, the economy and jobs were, were, you know, diminishing because of COVID, you know, this is where we're trying to get Veritas to, to come to the table and be rent forgiveness or at least bargain and negotiate with us. Um, so that's number one. Number two is also, they also been doing construction um, during COVID and how they do their construction is um, unhealthy, unsafe. Um, and there's concerns about, you know, why they're doing it this way. Uh, I can tell you their main signatures when they first purchase a building is if a building has an elevator, uh, they it's it's talents would say the elevator's been down for for six months. Uh, there's been a couple of times where I've talked to tenants where elevators have been down and they're trapped in their in their apartment. You know, this is before COVID also. So you know, um, it's uh, with my experience in my particular building, um, it was actually when they purchased it, we first got a pass-through, which is an operating maintenance pass-through. Um, and, you know, we reached out to Housing Rights Committee, you know, trying to understand what this pass-through is and why we got it. Um, then thereafter, there was a few units that were vacant. And so immediately Veritas went into those units, which we have studios and one bedrooms. They turned those studios into one bedrooms and the one bedrooms into two bedrooms using modern appliances uh, and doing major upgrades to these units where they did not pay any attention to the tenants that are still living in, in our buildings, even to this day. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, the construction, the, how they were doing it was uh, was pretty horrific. Uh, one of my neighbors passed away because of of the construction that was going on. Um, his name is Nick. He prior to Veritas owning our building, he had diagnosed with cancer. Um, he started to get better. He was working again, living life. Uh, but after Veritas purchased the building, they were doing a lot of construction just on his floor, and the cancer came back to the point where uh, even his doctor wrote a letter to Veritas to say, you know, my patient is is dying or, you know, please, you know, ease up on the on the construction. But they didn't. So um, he passed away. And that's just one of the stories of Veritas. I'm so sorry. Um, Juan, can you share some stories of your experiences with Veritas? Yeah, thank you very much for the time. Uh, I noticed that there is a lot of uh, people that are being targeted as far as they uh, uh, being vulnerable, vulnerable as far as 
being able to communicate with the landlord and not being able to acknowledge of their right that they have as a tenant. I also noticed that they prefer them to uh, not to uh, get tangled up in problems because some of them, they feel afraid that they're going to be kicked out if they say something. Uh, being afraid, block them, um, taking action. I've seen so many uh, rats, pet uh, bags, I mean, you name it. It's just hard. It's just hard to see them. It, it breaks my heart. I'm having kids, own kids suffering by pneumonia. Uh, the walls and the ceilings are breaking down, and they don't even take care of those things. They're supposed to change the uh, fire alarms. Lena and Brad, they know about this, about a building being on fire twice. And they didn't even know the fire. But luckily, they actually uh, control it. Uh, they, uh, they all want to take action now. When they see that God knows if they're going to wake up the next morning, you know. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's just hard. Yeah, I also knew about fellow that uh, not too long ago because of the uh, cancer uh, situation that he was uh, suffering and uh, that was a really uh, uh, devastating uh, experience. I mean, we met him, we talked to him, we we got to know him and all of a sudden he's not there anymore. But uh, that will not discourage us to continue for what we think is right, you know, and is fair. We want to make sure that uh, we are out there educating and bringing them on board to make them all a part of this uh, fight. Uh, so to make Veritas realize that uh, we don't have a, a money symbol in our forehead, you know, so they can just take advantage of it, you know. Uh, we're human beings, and because of that, we're supposed to have a little more respect and to be heard, to be listened, you know, to, so, they to know, so they need to know that uh, we are human beings, not animals, you know. Well, and that brings us to some of the issues that you're trying to address with the strike. Um, and it's important to mention that Lena and Juan, you don't live in the buildings that are on strike right now, but you've been organizing with them for a long time. Can you talk a little bit about what the primary concerns are for those tenants? And in demanding a say in the terms of sale, can you talk a little bit about what they would like to see happen? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, actually, uh, I have met, uh, I would say, a good number of tenants, maybe, I would say, 20 of them. Uh, and they all have issues in their apartments. They they all have a uh, question that why is the apartment so expensive? Uh, why do they get extra uh, rent, like a rent increase? Well, not rent increase, but they actually been imposed uh, to, to pay utilities. When in the beginning, that was of the uh, deal when they actually signed the contract. Why is it that they actually uh, adding that extra money to our rent when we don't have a meter that tell us 
This is the amount of uh, electricity that we're spend spending. Uh, this is the amount of water that we are uh, using and so forth. They just come, boom. There's 200 bucks, you have to pay that extra money. Say for instance, someone lives in the, in the third or fourth floor and the uh, elevator doesn't work for the for a number of months, maybe three months. They just don't understand why they don't fix it. Why is it, for, why is it so difficult? They ask me for them to uh, fix the alarm for the fire, the fire alarm. Why is, it, why is it so difficult for them to come and see that our sink is not uh, working properly? There's leaking, the floor is breaking down. You can see the floor that is inflated. I see, I see places where they, uh, it's all moldy on the walls and on the, on the ceiling and on the cabinets. And I mean, you name it, the bathroom is breaking down. It's, you can see the, the black bubbles on the wall because there's so much humidity going on and they are tired of that, asking the, uh, the landlord to come over and fix it. And that's when we kick in and we tell them, okay, we have to force uh, the, the, uh, the landlords to come into the table and negotiate with us to, to tell them, why, why are we doing this uh, rent strike? Why are we uh, well, to have this, uh, this uh, weapon of holding our paid rent when they are not listening, why we have to obligate them? Why we have to them to listen to us? Why we have to do these things when we can just peacefully come? They can negotiate with us. Why can Veritas cannot come to the table and say, "Okay, uh, this is what we want to do"? Then let's work this out with you know. One so these really horrific conditions that you're describing and that you described before, both you and Lena, are obviously part of the demands and, and also why tenants are demanding a say in the terms of sale. Um, Lena, can you talk a little bit about what the tenants would like to see happen with respect to the terms of sale? Yes, thank you. Um, from talking to tenants, uh, they would like to have a voice in, in a sale um, and to, you know, be a part of the sale. And uh, I think that's really important that that does happen. Um, and so, you know, this is why we would want to use the ordinance uh, and also empower tenants to, to really protect their homes, have better conditions, and live in an affordable housing as well. So it's it is having a voice to be heard. And you were saying use the ordinance. Can you just describe what you mean by that? Sorry, yes, thank you um, for catching that. Uh, as of last year of April, um, with the help of a few Veritas tenants and uh, Housing Rights Committee, we had passed this law that's called the Union at Home Ordinance, which is 32-22. And it's its first of its kind where a tenant can bargain negotiate with their landlords uh, also um, to form uh, a legal union within their building. Um, I've always said that if you 
can union at work. You can definitely union at home. It goes hand in hand. It makes sense. Um, so other places have reached out to us as far as Canada goes, have reached out to us to say, gosh, how do we do that? We want to do that, you know? Um, so that's, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, and Brad, could you try to, can you kind of explain what happened when Veritas defaulted on the loan and walk us through the bidding process and where things stand right now? So the default, we, we heard about the default. It's, it's, it's two portfolios of buildings, one of which it's, it's important to note um, was up for sale pre-COVID. So I think Veritas publicly has tried to say that this is all about COVID or SF's recovery and, and, and office workers and tech workers not coming back to the office. But, but um, a majority of the buildings actually are part of a portfolio that um, Veritas was planning to sell um, in early 2020. So, um, and that was the portfolio that is backed by the Balpost Group, a hedge fund based in Boston. So, um, so then we heard, so then, um, COVID started and that sale was taken off the table. Um, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, and, and then we, you know, fast forward to now and we're hearing, and we heard about the, this default, um, this is two portfolios, roughly a billion dollars worth of assets. It's about 95 buildings. Um, we heard about so what's happening is that the lenders right um are trying to sell the loans they're not trying to sell the buildings per se they're trying to sell the loans and so um a company this company e still secured is began to market or or to publicize the loans and um and open up a closed door bidding process. Um, the, and we heard through the real estate press that Veritas was planning to bid on its own debt, which is an interesting strategy um, to take and perhaps an intentional one where they can uh, renegotiate the terms of their own debt um, and still retain the build still hold on to the buildings and the loans. So, so it's kind of a, it's something that, you know, <laughs> a single homeowner would never be able to do that. Right. Like you would be foreclosed on if you just didn't pay your mortgage. Um, but here we have Veritas, like uh, perhaps using default, using the default to, to, to put itself in a position to renegotiate the terms of its own debt. So, um, you know, that said, because we weren't sure how this was going to unfold and some articles said that they built the buildings were probably going to foreclosure. And but, you know, it wasn't entirely clear the the demand, the strikers. Um, uh, put forth the demand around terms of sale and um, running the experiment of using the strike as a way to influence the sale. And. Um, and we're continuing to see how that unfolds. And can you say, what has the response been from Veritas thus far to the strike? Um, they have, oh, I think classic union busting. I, I mean, they, they, 
they minimize it. They say it's not a strike. They say it's illegal. They say it's a small number of people. They say that the terms of sale demand in particular is a politically is a, it's a part of a political agenda by the housing rights committee, which I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like, you know, so, so, um, but they, they try to use that language of like, Oh, it's political as a classic kind of like, um, this is like outsiders attempting to influence uh, residents. And so, um, so there's their reaction has been um, like that. I mean, there has been some movement though, in particular with 709 Geary, which is one of the buildings on strike, um, which we can get into maybe a little bit, but um, there's some interesting movement there in terms of Veritas did issue three day notices to the strikers, three day notices to pay or quit. Um, and then when we did get into a mediation facilitated by the San Francisco rent board, um, they, um, we sort of agreed to like a temporary ceasefire where they agreed to rescind the three day notices and start to open up negotiations on a couple topics, but not terms of sale. That's kind of like the thing where they're like, we're not like, they're, this is not even like, yeah. I, so I think there's going to need to be a, a greater public push and an expansion of the strike for that demand to be, um, to get a little bit more traction. I think it would be helpful to zoom out a little bit um, and talk about organizing against corporate landlords specifically, which is a relatively new phenomenon for many tenants in the U.S. and internationally. Um, and I touched upon it a little bit in the introduction, but maybe could you talk a little bit more about your strategy for building power in the VTA and explain how the union at home legislation plays into that? Okay. Yeah, I can start. So, um, uh, how the tenants, how the members are um, attempting to build this union is to go building by building and form tenant associations in the buildings using majority petitions. Majority petition meaning, according to the ordinance, but that we would do this, to be honest, this would be our practice anyway, regardless of the ordinance, is to have a majority of the tenants in the building telling the landlord, telling Veritas that they wish to form a tenant association. They affiliate with the citywide VTA in San Francisco. Um, and, uh, and that tenant union then is the, is the union that members from across buildings participate in. Um, and so it's a, it's a structure to scale up power from the building level. Um, recognizing that, at the end of the day, whatever Veritas's ownership structure is, that there are particular individuals, particular executives, um, who are who have decision making power, um, regardless of the LLC on the building, um, and so we attempt to run through a pretty disciplined model of organizing, of building up majorities, um, and demonstrating the the power of those majorities through what are called structure tests like petitions, photo petitions, door signs on apartment doors, um, and and ultimately like strike votes. I was going to get into this later, but we could maybe just talk about that now. Um, the fact that the VTA draws inspiration from labor union tactics and strategies, especially those framed by organizer Jane McAlevey in books like No Shortcuts and Rules, Rules to Win By, can you talk a little bit about translating those practices to a tenant context? 
Um, for instance, how you're using structure tests to organize majority strikes. Yeah, I mean, Juan and Lena have both taken trainings with Jay McAlevey. Um, do I do one of you want to go first? I'll go. Um, yeah, so when Brad introduced me to Jay McAlevey, you know, I said, okay, this is another piece of material that can maybe become a better organizer because, like, this new career has found me where I did not find it, uh, like Brad, for instance. Um, so I was excited to, to you know, see what really organizing can do and how how that can change uh, the community. Uh, <laughs> I I am very, very fascinated with Jay McAlevey. Um, she, her new book that just came out, um, geez, I forgot the name of it, but uh, she actually wanted to have a mini interview with myself and Brad. And when Brad texted me that morning, he's like, oh, we're having, we're gonna have a, an interview with Jay McAlevey. I flipped out. I was like, what? Uh, so we uh, had the interview. It was supposed to have been a half hour, but it ended up being an hour. The last half hour was just talking personal about her experiences. Um, so that was like I was I was starstruck for sure. And and the how how uh, she kind of puts it to you know the six steps and you know trying to empower tenants and it's not only about the six steps, but it's also building trust. Uh, within the tenants, because you're walking into a building that you don't even know. You're talking to strangers in their home, um, and you're having these really um, intense, uh, very um, personal conversations. They're not like, oh, what's for dinner? You know, it's kind of like, what's it like living right now um, in your unit? And, you know, it's it, it's pretty deep. So number one is building trust. And then you go into those steps to have the tenant realize that, you know, building power within themselves first so that they can go and, you know, talk to their other neighbors about how to organize and how important it is to organize. Uh, so that's the one thing of, of you know, the importance of how Jane McAlevey, uh, you know, does her craft. Did I answer your question? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think it's interesting to... Um to also think about specific um, any specific adjustments that you need to do because it is the structure is the home and and what the structure tests look like specifically in the case of of the contract campaign or or this rent strike the current yeah rent. so you know after having this type of conversation you know with the tenant uh, giving them something to do. Uh, like, for instance, the union at home ordinance where, you know, we're like, well, who who do you think would sign on to this petition quickly where we don't have to like, you know, well, you should, you know, do do most of the work. And so that's how we would start a petition or any petition, regardless of talking to tenants that would be uh, easy to talk to. I don't like that word easy because this job is not. But in this case, you know, it, easy to talk to. Um, and then we go to the ones that might need a little bit of a of a nudge. Um, and, you know, at first, tenants get really scared. They don't know how to talk to their tenants. So this is where the relationship is built. Um, and then, you know, there's a few buildings. In fact, uh, there's two buildings that, re that are I'm trying to get them ready to be withholding their rent for next month. Uh, I just gave the tenant um, a petition 
I went door knocking with her just to see how to talk to tenants and how it feels to door knock. Uh, and I'm like, there you go. And two days later, uh, she was able to get a super majority uh, of the petition. And that just, you know, I find her. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I just went and into, I did an introduction of, of door knocking. And, uh, for me, I believe she is one of the organic leaders, as Jay McAlevey would say, is finding those organic leaders um, and also finding those activists, which is nothing wrong. I mean, they both are, are are hand in hand, but I think it's important to find that one or two organic leaders. Juan, do you want to add anything? Well, uh, thank you very much for the time. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I think uh, Lena actually covered all those topics. Uh, I, I don't think I could have done it better myself. Um, well, then maybe um, let's zoom out a little bit again and talk more about rent strikes. So rent strikes have always been a powerful tool of tenants movements, but rent securitization in the corporate landlord structure amplifies their potential because corporate landlords take on debt to expand their portfolios and rely on rental income to pay shareholders and bondholders. Can you talk a little bit about the potential of rent as power and withholding revenue in the corporate landlord structure generally, and in this specific context where the VTA is trying to influence the terms of sale? Well, in my opinion, I think uh, they are willing to really uh, do something. It's something that is new, because I mean, not, not, not many people know what rent strike means and uh, how, how hard it might be at the beginning for them to uh, get involved in something like this. But when they realize that they actually have a powerful tool to make things happen, that's when they actually come on board. They are a lot, a lot of tenants in the same situation. So they, uh, they feel, uh, empowered they feel encouraged they they support one another you know they actually go to their own neighbors something that they never passed like just oh hi hello no, now they talking now they're getting together and that's a nice thing um brad do you want to add anything about the so you're saying that you're testing this out is how the rent strike, whether it can affect the terms of sale and if so, how? Can you talk a little bit more about the thinking behind that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also just important to restate that the strike was like not just taken lightly. The strikes are not like the first thing that these tenants have tried to do to get the attention Veritas on their demands. In the case of 14th Street, 320 14th Street, they um, were attempting for a year to get basic union recognition. And um, and for many months fought evictions, attempted evictions of of 25% of their building. So, it, you know, it's not like this was just like walking up you know to them and start going strike so um um you know in terms of the 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 securitization you know like like i think that's 
Yes, because if it's not just Veritas executives or Green Tree, the property management company, you know, expecting the income, it's that these investors from around the country and the world who are counting on this cash flow and if um, and how tenants can interrupt that and disrupt that and then also use it as a point of leverage um, is. You know, it, it, it would be like if workers, if us as our, you know, if, if us as workers were like, oh, we're not going to consider or learn how to build towards being strike ready. Like we're not going to um, recognize the power of that. Um, so I think it's similar here in that the rent is what is like at the core of this relationship between landlord and tenant. Um, and for a corporation like Veritas, who is counting on investors to speculate on the rents. If investors are seeing that tenants are organized, getting strike ready, and then launching strikes, then it makes Veritas's business model seem riskier. And then Veritas becomes a bad investment. When I think that What's interesting about that is the concept of scale is that the more tenants on rent strike, the greater the hit for Veritas. You know, the more people yeah. with rent, the less money they get for the investors. So it's a, the greater the disruption. So this whole point of scale, can you talk a little bit about moving from a single building on rent strike or two buildings on rent strike, which you have right now, to scaling up and bringing more buildings in to kind of have that greater effect in a multi-building rent strike. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's very challenging first off because the VTA is also growing as an organization itself. So it's wrestling with all the things that emerging young organizations do, which is like, you know, questions around internal decision-making, internal democracy. And um, like, those are all like, so, so there's a history of trying to figure those things out. And, um, but, um, you know, there's also an attempt by these two buildings to kind of pave the way, you know, and that if they can win things that, um, that are more transformative, right. Or, 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 you know, that when demands that tenants have not previously been able to do, then it, then it, charts a path forward so um but i think you know what we're trying to do with what tenants are trying to do with expanding the strike is is visiting other buildings themselves so that members who are on strike can talk to members who are preparing for a strike and they can start to see that they cross buildings you know one of the buildings 14th street is going to hold several of the members are musicians professional musicians in san francisco and they're, so they're going to hold an outdoor concert on august 19th to like amplify the strike to benefit the strike and um and yeah do something fun around it because like you know if you go to these buildings and you and you're just like driving by or whatever you would never know they're on strike <laughs> which you know that's something that we think about and try to you know figure out like how do we you know, there's not like a daily picket line, right? I mean, maybe there could be or should be, but it's it's tough when, you know, people are going to work, right? <laughs> it's not like, you know, so like this, um, 
so trying to figure out ways that the strike becomes you know um a public act that is more visual that is developing public support that um that remains in the in the public eye and in the public narrative um and it's been challenging to do that but i think we're we're trying to try some things out with with the tenants own networks and skills and you know and and as um your own relationships in the city well can you talk a little bit more about that what are some of the things you're considering and some of the things that you have in addition to this concert some of the things that you have planned for the next month as hopefully more tenants join the strike yeah um the gear street tenants have a great practice of doing like gatherings in their lobby one of the tenants makes really good gumbo <laughs> so they have these great <laughs> gatherings actually oh. soap made gumbo and soap and gave them out to his neighbors wow. which was yeah. really cool yeah. yeah yeah i remember um, that and um tomorrow night we're going to be having the first gathering of a few tenants from a building that could be preparing for a strike. We'll see. Um, and we want to try and do, you know, it, it's like not complicated stuff, just like more around how tenants get to know each other through, through not just the issues they have with Veritas, but also through their, their, their cultures, where they come from, their lives in the city um, and how those things interact. So, you know, food becomes a really important thing. Music becomes a really important thing. And I think sometimes we lose sight of those things, but I think when you're doing something like a strike, it's like, it needs to feel fun's too casual of a word, but it needs to feel like impact. It needs to feel like you're doing something in motion that you're like, you're, 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 you know, like this is a thing that is, empowering this is a thing that is energetic you know so i think um we're, we're trying to may, figure out how to do more of that if i can also ask brad i'm going to piggyback off of what you just said that you know it's tr feeling all those but also feeling less risky not so risky uh because you know withholding rent it's a huge risk and tenants that i talk to are just like you know no i don't want to i don't want to get evicted um, you know, but most of these, most of the tenants or the buildings that we are also working with for now to test it out is that most of these buildings have uh, notices of violation. And, you know, in, in a law that was discovered that if a building does have a notice of violation, that the landlord cannot uh, demand or request for rent, uh, rent increases or evictions. So this is something how we say, you know, we look at the building, we do a little research. We say, did you know about this? You know, did you know about this law? You know, so um, and that's kind of uh, saying that, you know, there is a law where you you can actually withhold rent. So let's use it, you know. Right. Thanks for mentioning that. And that's a law that is um, both buildings that are currently on rent strike are covered by that law. So those tenants cannot be evicted for being on rent strike because the notice of violation, which has to do with the maintenance issues and habitability issues of the building, have been going on for so long that the city allows withholding of rent. Is that correct? But um, we call it a shield. It's a state law, so it's a it's a 
section of the California Civil Code 1942.4. It's been around. Um, we just, the attorney that the tenants are working with um, learned about it, found it. And so it's not like the city, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the city is like sanctioning these strikes because, because they're not, but like with the student, the, 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 the strikers are using the state law as a shield. Um, and, and yes, like Lena's right. Like this, it's, it specifically says that when there's a notice of violation that's been in effect for more than 35 days, a landlord cannot issue a three day notice. So the issue with Geary street is a little bit more nuanced and just to say like, you know, it's then smart of Veritas to try to abate the notices of violation to try to fix the issue, right? And they tried to do that there. And it was an elevator issue. It fixed the elevator. It was working for a week. Then it breaks down again. <laughs> so they're trying like, you know, band-aid fixes on these issues. The 14th Street NOVs are far more extensive. So it's, I think, difficult for them to fix those notices of violation because the issues are more expensive. <laughs> so, and so if their cash flow is interrupted and then they can't address these issues, even if they wanted to, although the, the, the NOVs have been in effect for before the strike, like, so <laughs> then, you know, they, they, um, it's tough for them to do that. Right. Um, so I guess one final question I have is, um, when we talk about majority strikes or building a supermajority in a building, can you just can you talk about why that is so important for this specific uh, struggle and why you emphasize reaching that majority before buildings go on strike rather than individual tenants from individual buildings joining the strike? Lena, you want to take that? Yeah, because Jay McAlevey said so. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, just look at look at Lena's wall behind her. <laughs> so this is yeah, this is uh, a survey that we had done, um, and it's about where tenants are at. That's one of the structure tests, a beginning of a structure test, along with other things that we're trying to get tenants to do. Is first, do a survey just to see where tenants are at, and so you know we had survey. Uh, a vote, you know, regarding what to bring to the table when we do get that meeting or negotiating meeting with Veritas. Um, we did a door sign, meaning that VTA, Veritas negotiate with the VTA kind of thing. Um, uh, and then we do a meeting, like if, you know, if the tenant did their, has done their first meeting after doing the petition, uh, and who attended public actions regarding the contract campaign. And uh, the last and lastly is rent strike ready. So uh, so this helped us, you know, see and where tenants are at. So it's kind of like for, you know, Veritas having, they say they're not corporate and there's a certain number that you would need to claim yourself as a business, as a corporate business. Um, but because there's just a few uh, staff shy of becoming corporate, they still act like corporate. And so if they have a majority of staff, well, hell, we can get a majority of tenants overpowering their majority. So, you know, higher numbers is more empowering than lower numbers. Exactly. Well said. All right. 
Um, well, I think that's a nice place to end our conversation for today. Um, but we're looking forward to following along and we'll be back with an update on the strike. Um, so thank you all so much for being here and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. For more information, visit our website urbanpolitical.podigy.io Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter.